and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Monica Marvelous. Welcome back, Monica. How's it going? It's going good. I'm so happy to be back, Mav. I missed you. I miss Fox Pop. <laughs> Aw, I miss you too. Where have you been? You're not here. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's like, lot, not that you're ever here. Like, it's, I mean, we know that we record the show from multiple locations always, so. it's. I've been in Mexico. I've been in L.A. working. Ooh. I've been in San Diego for Comic-Con. And I've been, now I'm in France. We, I'm recording right now from France. Ah, you're my cooler than i am i'm in the same room i'm always in <laughs> that's cool but welcome back you're you. well traveled so what are we doing this week yeah i made us through this topic i made us through this topic partially <laughs> because it was part of my comic-con presentation which i had a lot of fun doing and the thing about mm-hmm. comic-con is you don't always get to sit down and have like the full conversations that you would at like a traditional academic conference because the room is sort of because it's Comic Con and people would rather see Marvel stuff. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, people running to get to Hall H to learn whatever the announcement is, or, you know, it's just busy. And this was a topic that I really loved researching, really loved talking about, and wanted to talk about more. So I'm making us do an episode about it. But I'm also kind of making us do an episode mm-hmm. about it because I think that the TV show is getting a bad reputation. So maybe if you guys haven't caught on by now, we're talking about She Hulk. I realized <laughs> I was doing a lot of setup, but I had actually said this is She-Hulk week. So in recording time, we've had one episode air and there's been a lot of internet chatter prior (laughs) to the first episode. And after the first episode, it seems a bit more critical than I think She-Hulk deserves as someone who just spent a lot of time reading a bunch of fabulous She-Hulk comics. So Mav, I brought a friend who's also read a lot of She-Hulk comics. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I brought my friend Sam. Welcome to Oh, thank you so much. I'm really pleased to join y'all and especially to be talking about all the ways we can smash the patriarchy with She-Hulk. So very excited. I love it. Um, and, <laughs> and for the listeners who don't know Sam, if you want to tell them a little bit about yourself and why and why you're so qualified to talk about Sure. So my name is Sam Langsdale. I, I myself currently as a feral scholar. So I was previously faculty <laughs> at, at the University of London in England, at the University of North Texas in Denton. And then I held a position at UC Berkeley for a year, but now I roam the wilds. And one of the reasons I think that I'm here is because I organized a conference in 2017, Monstrous Women in Comics. And then out of that Mm -hmm. came an edited volume that I worked with my co-editor, Elizabeth Ray on. So it's a book from the University of Press of Mississippi, also called Monstrous Women in Comics. And it's one of my sort of loves, I would say, but also areas of expertise is this sort of intersection of women's and gender studies and monsters theory which listeners of our show know we've done many shows on monsters there's a spinoff show of sorts called a show where they talk about monsters but hosted by our good friend michael chemmers and we've had lots of people on this show before who are in sam's book but not sam before so that's why you're here and we're going to talk about she hawk which is a show monica's right it's getting unfair rap especially for a show that's been out not even a week as we record right. this usually when we do these recap shows 
we'll record a recap show after the final episode. But we're doing a little different because I don't think we're just talking about just the show. We're talking about the show, the character, what the show represents, how the hype happened, how the negative hype happened, what's deserved, what's not deserved, and just our general thoughts on She-Hawk. Yeah, I mean, this is essentially (laughs) my master plan in which anyone who has already written off the show, I'm trying to convince them they should give it another chance and they should actually watch the show. Which is why we're doing this at the beginning instead of at the end like we normally do. So So maybe we should just start with our question. My first question. Okay, so my first question, has anybody ever actually written off this show? Because people are saying that, but oh, I mean, the three of us were obviously super excited about it and we were going to be. And then there are people who are like, and, and I mean, a lot of times we don't like to give air to them, but there are the people who are like, I'm not going to watch this stupid woke show, but they weren't going to watch it anyway. Like people are arguing like there's a big thing and, you know, there was review bombing, but did it really effectively change anything? And I don't know. I'm not sure that it has. You guys? This is one where it's actually a bit of a tricky answer to me. And I think okay. something very interesting about the cameo teasing of the fact that Daredevil is going to show up later in the she-hulk series mm-hmm. because daredevil was one to me that like really kind of fit that comics are or edgy like discussion that we've been sort of towing around with on the show for quite a few weeks now and mm-hmm. more likely that sort of that fan audience that mav gave such a cute voice to of i'm not likely to watch the show but you know what that's probably the audience <laughs> that was well that was really excited and really enjoyed netflix daredevil not that i didn't also enjoy netflix daredevil but you get what i'm saying love, of like there being, love that show. It being yeah, a no. target audience it's a little bit closer. I'm trying so hard not to say the word Snyder bro, but that's what we're talking about here. We're just going to call it out. <laughs> no, we're just well, going to call out that like, yeah, Netflix and that's is, Snyder is bros. Yeah. Snyder bros, but it's also for people like me. And there is a sense in which they're trying to flirt with the Snyder bros by putting Daredevil inside the She-Hulk series. And also the fact that the original She-Hulk comics, like reading audience was largely male at its time of publication, which makes it a little bit strange that, this is mm-hmm. an audience that's like I'm not going to sit around and I watch a huge about ladies <laughs> when like that's exactly who the original comics were marketed towards was people who were like I don't like ladies but I like boobies and She-Hulk has big boobies like that's <laughs> so I don't know if it's really yeah. alienating an audience or not it's a tricky question I'm sitting in the middle here now <laughs> I think that I mean just to kind of bounce off a lot of this I think this is part of the problem with the way that we encounter all of this noise via like social media and news media online is that a lot of critiques that are being voiced from different groups of people have been conflated and frankly like not all complaints or Mm -hmm. critiques are equal some of them are made in faith and i think that's part of it too is like we have this overwhelming impression that there's been all this you know negativity around the show and there definitely has been a lot of noise a lot of static but i mean i think people who are review bombing it and like you said don't want to watch a show about ladies i mean that's a crew that is doing all of this in bad faith that has no intention of watching in the first place i think you also have a group who like again not necessarily overlapping with the first maybe in in some small ways but of the group who read the original comic where you know they were written by men largely for a male audience and she hulk is 
a very long time object and yes a woman but women's experiences written from men's perspectives and so i think seeing some of the trailers Mm -hmm. in the early trailers where jen walters is explaining basically women's experiences and why that contributes to her ability to remain conscious that she holds i think you might have some backlash there people who are like why do i want to see this if it's actually rooted in women's experiences (laughs) because that departs from the tradition no i think i was one of them when i saw the first very first trailers i was like wow that cgi is bad like i am not excited about that okay so like all of this has been sort of collapsed and it's not necessarily like the root of each of those Uh complaints is not necessarily the same yeah i think it's not at all body it's weird because it's a group of people who are having discussions about body politics and then a bunch of people who are having discussions about how shitty animation has nothing to do with body politics and how those two things are kind of ending up yeah okay together in the same discussion right like and that's that was my issue with it right like <laughs> so i i saw the response from marvel and the producers and the showrunners and tatiana herself so i saw their responses to people complaining about the cgi and they were doing the conflation that sam was just talking about right like because i had complained and i knew sam had i'd seen sam do it online and i'd complained <laughs> online about the cgi of the cgi in those first trailers looked like shit and i mean that like looked bad for the for 2022 it looked bad for 2008 it was substandard unfinished cgi marvel and disney have a habit of underpaying and overworking their visual okay. effects departments. It's it is a well established thing in Hollywood. It is a problem that is that has been going on going forward. And in particular, I looked at it and I was just like, "This is so uncanny valley-ish. It okay. looks weird. She's weightless. She doesn't look like she's in the room. It looks like a weird PlayStation One cutscene, and I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable to watch. It's weird. Okay. And then the response from the Marvel side was people was saying well the problem is that people seem to think that they can police women's bodies and I'm like and they wouldn't say this if it were about a male character like the Hulk and I was like no he looks like shit too what are you talking about (laughs) I would say (laughs) like I would say it about that I'm like you're not like you're like I understand that you are arguing like the point that they were arguing about people think it's okay to police women's bodies that is true that is a fair statement but I went looking and that was not the majority of the criticism the majority of the criticism at that point was this looks weird and bad not this looks ugly and manly and too unfeminine now that was out there but it it wasn't the bulk of the complaints but it was the bulk of the defense and I was just like I think you are talking past and I think you're going to I think you're setting yourself up it turns out I think it's both and they knew that they had a CGI problem because a they've improved it like you can this final version looks better it looks a lot better it still does not look as good as Avengers Endgame because they didn't mm-hmm. you know they spent millions of dollars instead of right. you know hundreds of millions of dollars so fine it's but i don't need it to look like that it looks at least as good as the flash now which is what i was hoping for right like it like yeah. give me at least cd dw quality and i'll be okay but also the there's a there's kind of a little bit of a two-faced kind of thing here because while they were complaining about people you know policing women's bodies we've now had reports that at the same time the reason the effects were rushed was because marvel kept sending back now nah, we need her to look a little more feminine themselves like they were already yeah. they were wrestling with the visual effects so, so there was sort of a 
hypocritical thing there. And I, I think they're all important issues. I want, you know, I want to be able to have the body politics question, but I also want, you know, fair pay for visual effects houses who work really hard, especially on shows created by the one studio that lives and dies by special effects. I think you know? there is also this argument of while I was sitting and watching the first episode, I did find myself like still distracted by the VFX, but only for She-Hulk and not for Hulk. And I think mm-hmm. that some of that was actually the fact that we're much more used to watching Hulk. Like we've had the chance to see mm-hmm. Hulk in multiple movies and we've had the chance to see the animation like get better. And so there is a sense of like the animators themselves could potentially be more familiar with animating this one character mm-hmm. and his like his specific. They've had 14 years to refine and, him. Yeah, because he has pieces of programming now where like you you can kind of just dial it in on parts of the animation. But they haven't had the same chance right. to develop for an entirely new character because one of those characters was rushed via production and the other one has been in production for over a decade now. And so there is always just like mm-hmm. from the limits of technology, this fact that one is going to fall short rather than it being a men versus women thing. It's just a, one of them has we're more used to watching old versus new we'll say though like that is part of what made me salty with the quality of the like original trailers one of my thoughts was how we're going to skip on you know the work necessary to animate this character in a female focused show like and you're Mm -hmm. right like some of this does break down into like versus new but it is also gendered I mean the reason that Mm -hmm. there's been 10 years of Hulk is because he's a male character yes. and absolutely yes. yes yes i don't disagree absolutely. with you at all but i think like this is what frustrates me about like all of this static around these shows whether it's she hulk or it was miss marvel there is actually a lot going on in terms of what we can critically engage with and what we can and should be enjoying, but it all just gets like mashed into this, mm-hmm. you know, ridiculous sort of like everyone hates it. And it's like, that's just not what's happening. Like, yeah. oh my goodness. I think you just nailed it right there, right? I loved Ms. Marvel and I actually loved the special effects in Ms. Marvel. I thought they looked great. People complained about them because they did not match the comic book because she wasn't stretchy girl and they wanted yeah. stretchy girl and, and they got Green Lantern girl instead. And the thing is, they there are many reasons to do that. But one of the things is I am, I am not a visual effects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I am. I am not a visual effects. I've done a little bit of CGI special effect work and it's much easier to do, you know, light beam powers than it is to do stretchy powers it just is and so they did the one that they could afford to do in the context of the show and make her look cool and she mm. looks cool and she looked better like i thought everything in yeah, about everything in like, this look as good as the doctor strange movie i was gonna say mav it's not even like just has as much money because the doctor strange movie had a shit ton of money yeah. and john krasinski mr fantastic still looked fucking stupid. ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> and it's not because it was John Krasinski, even though it was kind of because it was John Krasinski, it's because stretchy powers don't animate well. I will say, like, even though that was a scary moment where Scarlet Witch is like Brad Mendenhall said, you know, turning him into spaghetti. Like, I also almost laughed because it's just yeah, I did laugh in the theater. <laughs> I did. I laughed at it. 
I laugh. I was like, this is dumb. And, and I mean, and it works because they have Sam Raimi. I mean, again, I didn't love, we've talked about this to death. I don't want to turn this into the Dr. Strange show. I didn't love the movie, but it was still Sam Raimi and Sam Raimi's going to make a joke out of the horror. That's what, what you get does. when you buy a Sam Raimi, right? Yeah. <laughs> like when you pay Sam Raimi money, that's what you're buying. So you're like, asking for chainsaw so, hands. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, so it was fine. And I don't think that would have worked for Ms. Marvel. And problem I think that She-Hawk was having is that it wasn't when it happens in a She-Hawk, it's not happening for comedic effect. It's happening because of tech, technology limitations and time limitations. And so it gets in the way. Like I like I can't just laugh at it like, oh my God, John Kaczynski just turned into spaghetti. I can't laugh at it. What I see is what I see is she's walking, but it's like she's not on the floor. Yeah. Like I see stuff like that and it's weird. And part of that because I think this is what Sam was getting at. Like, I think that there's, and Sam, you can correct me. Part of it is they had, you know, we, they've had more time with Hulk. But I also think that there is a gaze issue of that's very gendered of, I am probably going to be critical of a female character in a different way of which I'm going to be theme critical of a male character because of the point that Marvel and Tatiana Maslany wanted to make of, oh, we're more critical of, of women's bodies. Okay. Yeah, but like I can't even get to that because of the distraction from before. Now, maybe that's a win, right? Because me because. What I haven't seen a lot of, which I expected, was I expect there, and again, it's only one week as we record, two weeks as the listeners are hearing this, so maybe it's changed by the time you're hearing this. I've not heard a lot of, well, she's got too many muscles or her boobs aren't big enough or whatever. Like I was expecting a lot of criticism of that because that's classically the She-Hulk, um, and we're going to talk comics here. That's classically the She-Hulk pushback of, well, she doesn't look she doesn't look sexy enough or she looks too sexy or there's and this comes both ways. There's a big push of people who hated the bulky in comics. Um, Jen Walters was for the last couple of years up until about six months ago. She was a big, massive Hulk looking character for the last year, couple of years instead of a She-Hulk looking character. And oh, why do you got to make her ugly and massive and ugly? versus other women saying, going, well, we like, why can't she be like this? And I expected that that debate to happen. And I'm not really seeing that debate yet. Are you guys? I mean, I think we are seeing it a little bit behind the scenes. If what we're hearing is that the fact that CGI looked shitty is the fact that oh, yeah. Marvel, from a production standpoint, was asking mm -hmm. her to be rendered in a more feminine or I guess mm -hmm. traditionally aesthetically feminine manner. And not, some of the yeah. discourse mm -hmm. that I've heard from people who worked in the wardrobe department was sort of the same, like Marvel was very, oh, well, she should always be wearing athleisure because, you know, like clothes have to stretchy and in order for her to like be athletic, the only clothes she could possibly want to wear would be athletic clothes. And so also sort of this policing of like behavioral codes as well and how mm. they translate to someone's body. We'll say like, so, I mean, just to go ahead and nail my colors to the mask, like, and this is just, you know, again, what I think and kind of my suspicion about why maybe in popular circles, we haven't seen these conversations come into full bloom yet. I am disappointed to hear that they, you know, not surprised, but that Marvel, you know, put notes and notes on production saying slim mm -hmm. her down. 
I can't believe that anyone would say she's too muscular because I don't think she is at all. If she weren't green, she looks exactly like most contemporary renditions of Wonder Woman. Like that body is very common in comics right now. She just happens to be green. That was, for me, this is a little disappointing only insofar as with a character like She-Hulk, I think you have the opportunity to bring in a more diverse a range of bodies because and there's nothing inherently wrong with Wonder Woman body. It's fucking foxy, but it's overrepresented. Right? You mean comic book? Yeah. You mean comic book? We're not Gal Gadot. You mean no? I mean Gal Gadot is trying, but I mean the comic yeah. book Wonder yeah. Woman. Well, body. she's also like five three, so yeah, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, kind of again early on, I was wanting. I hate to even say this person's name out loud because she's anti-vax turf, but Gina Carano in The Mandalorian was a really exciting actor to see on the screen because this is a different woman's body being, you know, shown off. She was very solid and muscular. And I thought, like, if we're going to do She-Hulk, that's the kind of thing I'd like to see, you know, being featured. Now, I think maybe why we're not seeing these conversations yet is because the show is charming as hell. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And I love what they're doing. And Tatiana Musley is, is amazing, right? Like she is the right choice in terms of attitude because she's a physiognomic performer. Like her face is great. For me, like even if I had those disappointments, I'm so won over by this performance that I kind of don't feel like I have to perpetuate that complaint, right? Like mm-hmm. I said it. <laughs> it could have been different. It's not. And now I'm mm-hmm. just like, heck yes. I'm team team Tatiana all the way, right? I think that my greatest disappointment is not with Seahawk and not with Tatiana, but it's actually with the supporting cast that we've gotten to see so far. Or also just what we know in terms of like casting decisions of the actors who will be in the show. And that's because for me, like I really love She-Hulk's relationship that she has with Weezy during the burn era of comics. Like, and I mm-hmm. love that if we're going to bring up Wonder Woman, like that it does have that sort of like, like Wonder Woman and like at a, you know, uh, little, yeah. like, like girl buddies with, with different body types type relationship mm-hmm. happening. And the opportunity to bring in body diversity is kind kind of already within the comic book precedent and then knowing that they yeah. sort of cast other actresses that and especially when I think about comic book precedent of Tanya being this woman who was always trying to achieve she hulks body in order to then you know like physically best her in, in combat but, but it was always about achieving she hulks shape and form as close as possible mm-hmm. and so to see that's not the way that the casting went or the way that the casting sort of brought in people who kind of continue to look like traditional hollywood actresses mm-hmm. when there was a really good opportunity to also have further conversations about like the different types of femininity and the different types of womanhood is a little bit disappointing oh yeah sure but i mean you know and this i think it's important for us to have these conversations because we want to keep pushing for what comes next i at the Mm -hmm. same time like i would just hasten to add that doesn't stop me from enjoying what is you know like i'm not gonna not watch this (laughs) i'm always a yes and person of like i like what i'm saying and let's have more diversity next time like (laughs) 
I wonder if part of it, and again, as we record, we've seen one episode, probably as people listen, they've seen two. The Hulk powers in the comics with with both She-Hulk and Banner, Bruce. I don't know why I used one superhero name. With both Jin and Bruce, the Hulk powers are shape-shifting into this monstrous form that is supposed to be variable, in a, even though they don't vary that much. There is variation. It's why you have Smart Hulk looking different than Savage Hulk in the in the TV series. You know, you've got, you know, he looks, you know, he looks more like Mark Ruffalo with the, you know, he's got like his gray tinge to his hair and everything when he's being Smart Hawk than he does when he's being Savage Hawk. That's that is an intentional choice that they are bringing to it. So we've got several more episodes. There is still time. And if it were me being showrunner. I would throw in the thing where there are situations where maybe she is the savage She-Hawk or maybe she is the bulky She-Hawk, which is the thing that they've done in the comics recently where they're talking about, you know, there are reasons why she appears one way sometimes and, and in other ways other times. I don't know that they're going to go that way. It becomes weird and you have to like start doing like metaphysical conversations that I don't know that they're ready for on this show. And I don't know that the audience is ready for, and not every show needs to be designed, you know, just to like make me interested in it. <laughs> so, so like I wonder, but I wonder if that's a possibility because while you guys were talking, I did look up, but I was actually wrong. Gal Gadot is like five ten. She's actually really tall. She's just so skinny that she um, looks smaller. She's five ten, 120 pounds. Gina Carano is always funny because people point to her as this often as like sort of a, you know, as as a as someone who looks like a real woman. And I've pointed this out on the show before. She doesn't look like a real woman. Gina Carano is five foot eight, 143 pounds. She only looks like she's big because she's always she's standing, standing next, next to, to small people. people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like, like she's like, like she. No, she is. And again, I'm. By the way, caveat to exactly what Sam said. She's a horrible, awful person. That said, <laughs> that said, she is built like a truck. As in, she is physically fit to the point where I am certainly jealous. Like I wish I had that kind of muscle. But she does not have the body that you know that. Like if you're aspiring to, and you, to be her, and you're like, oh, I could be that. No, you can't. She is genetically gifted in a way that normal people just that does not occur in nature it occurs with you know with like superior genetics quirks just like any other massively strong ufc athlete she's you know she's just she looked like she was a giant because she was standing next to ming na like just, just to be clear yeah. like i don't expect i mean she hulk is a giantess right so i don't right. expect that we're gonna find any real human being that has right. height i'm more interested in her kind of like musculature but yeah right. just like ruffalo though was not eight feet tall you know <laughs> Yeah. We just CGI'd him to make him look that way. And they could have done that. Here's a fun fact. I, I, I get why they didn't. Yeah. The tallest person on the cast of Lord of the Rings is. Uh, Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Like um, Orlando Bloom. Uh, it's something yeah, really it, weird, right? The tallest person uh, is Gimli. Is it Elijah? Oh, really? Yes. Oh, Gimli. How, 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 tall is, how tall is he? I, uh, like, I thought. I, He's like 5'10 or something that's not actually that tall. But the point is, like, they're all I mean, short. He's, I mean, in that whole movie, I mean, like, he's the dwarf like yeah. <laughs> they have CGI'd him to be smaller than everyone else like and there's something that I think that's actually really great because we are allowed to have with 
a She-Hulk film in a way that we can't have about like just Hulk properties is this idea of the impossibility of the body that we're seeing. Like, because this is just like a zoomed out larger, frankly, like supermodel, but kind of normal lady body. Like Mm -hmm. we are able to talk about the unattainability of what she looks like because Mm -hmm. nobody can be that tall, but because she looks like things that we recognize in a way that when we look at a Hulk body, we immediately sort of process it to be monstrous. Especially in this, even a smart Hulk. I mean, he's more like Funko Pop than person, right? (laughs) There's really no... His proportions are weird. He has stubby legs. Do you guys notice that? He's like, he's proportioned weird, not like a real person. Mm -hmm. Smart Hulk, yeah, is decidedly cuter and Mm -hmm. like more chibi than all the other Hulks. (laughs) Yeah. John Reese Davies is a six foot one. I just looked him up. Oh my gosh. Wow, technology. I agree with you, Mav. I think it would be really exciting. And I think you're right. Like they have an opportunity. And you know what? Like to give credit to the show, I think there's probably some foreshadowing that's already happened in the first episode. We are going to see Jen kind of lose it, right? Because she keeps insisting and and it's an important insistence that she's not the same Mm -hmm. as Bruce, right? And so she keeps insisting she can leave. She's not going to have a problem. But I think that is supposed to like set us up to realize that she will run into some issues kind of managing um, the plasticity of her being. And so I hope you're right that maybe they Mm -hmm. take advantage of that to at least give us a look at what could be different about her existence as She-Hulk. That would be great. If she's complex, right? I think that we've got, you know, we've got our Snyder bros. Actually, this is unfair. We actually, I actually know people who enjoyed Snyder's movies. I love Snyder movies. (laughs) I know, but who are not the, well, okay, again, I love Love, like I, I unironically, unabashedly love the movie Sucker Punch. Yes. It's a whole different show. I think it's a, yes. I think it's an amazing show. We have to do an episode about Sucker Punch, <laughs> but I would argue Sucker Punch is actually a good movie, and people are wrong. Movie, just don't, and people just don't get it. <laughs> right, I agree. So, but like, not a, even so, the Snyder but, Bros. Right, oh, the Snyder Bros. Don't get it at all. I'm talking about the actual Snyder Bros. Right, the, Snyder, the, the people whose criticism is this is too woke and her boobs are not big enough. Like that is. <laughs> that is, you know those people i do think that there is an argument against those people that i think you can do if you do the complex character that i think they're moving towards mm-hmm. because i don't think like their argument has been this is stupid because the entire argument is that she's better because she's a woman and like women know how to deal with trauma better than men and uh, that's dumb okay do i don't think that's the argument of the show and if nothing comes of it then we'd have to say the Snyder bros have like a point because the marketing did play that up a lot. There was a lot of that's just the baseline of every woman's existence. And that's why we're better than men. And she says it on the episode. She says it, I don't know, 47 times. So you can only telegraph it so much if you're not going to like my presumption is exactly what Sam says. She's going to lose it at some point in a complex way. She's not going to be Bruce. She doesn't need to be Bruce. I don't need her running around being all savage, you know, going she hooks smash i don't need that right like i don't need the i don't need that but i do need her to realize that she is a human and she's not perfect right like yeah. there's going to be good points and bad points which is what the entire savage she hulk the recent savage she hulk at arc was about was that you know jen walters is a complex character and not the sex bunny that she had pretended to be for you know two decades i do think like the show 
as opposed to the soundbite that got circulated prior to the show's release, the show did a good job, if you're willing to hear it, of unpacking mm-hmm. why women might be better at certain things because of socialization, because of context, because mm-hmm. of situations that women are put in. Not that they are inherently better than men, but they are more experienced at certain things. Therefore, Jen has an easier time negotiating this new experience. And so you know, for me, that, that whole thing was really quite spectacular because I've only seen it Marvel one other time actually in a comic The Unstoppable Wasp an explicit Mm. critique of the androcentrism of Marvel superheroes. This understanding, Bruce starts off by saying, here's my, basically my big ass diary, which is going to be your syllabus. (laughs) Yeah. And he has (laughs) to learn that he has positioned himself as a universal, normal subject. And Jen points out that like, no, (laughs) your experiences are yours. They're specific to Bruce and they are also gendered right Mm -hmm. and so just because you assume you are universally recognizable and your experiences are universally applicable doesn't actually mean that they are this kind Mm -hmm. of critique spectacular and it comes across i think in that conversation and like i said i've only ever seen that explicit critique of marvel and marvel's assumptions in the unstoppable wasp comic where nadia van dyne points out that the list of the smartest people in the world again something in involving Bruce Banner was constructed by men who were looking at other men just like themselves thinking that they were actually covering all of humanity that's silly Mm -hmm. right and I brought this up a little bit in our very short introductory we're going to talk about She-Hulk blog but this idea that like She-Hulk and Jennifer Walters are sort of always positioned as being a binary when like at their very core like they're not right the thing that Mm -hmm. makes She-Hulk different than Bruce is that she doesn't really have the duality. Like, there mm-hmm. are differences between Jennifer and between She-Hulk, but it's the fact that she keeps consciousness like within mm-hmm. both forms that actually demonstrate a very intersectional simultaneous identity that is mm-hmm. incredibly interesting to me and are sort of, it feels like we're missing these, like, what could be a very self-aware discussion of, like, we've already made it part of the text, and yet every single text about She-Hulk is one in which someone has a preference for when she's She-Hulk or when she's Jennifer. Despite mm-hmm. the fact that like yeah. she's really kind of the same person all of the time. Yeah. Someone when you say someone, do you mean the fictional people or do yeah. you mean the reader? I mean reader? the reader, oh. but also the fictional people. There's a lot of like policing of her like Mav, you brought up the idea of her being like a sex bunny. So there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who shame her for the people that she's chosen to have sex with or people who think that she's had sex with too many people or her very I mean, first comic like, is which boy she should I choose like all of this sort of like duality without actually recognizing that like the entire point of She-Hulk and the entire reason that she is able to like keep in control it is that there is this idea of like intersectional interdisciplinary womanhood right and Mm -hmm. that society is asking you to choose between these two boxes when that's not actually how identity works most women don't have the luxury of making that choice. You have to, I mean, not again, like, you know, most women feel like they're constantly dealing Has with to be one or the other. Yeah, but they, nobody lives like that. And so you develop these 
strategies for dealing with the request whilst also having to live this kind of multi-layered complex life. I have not read the most recent She-Hulk series by Rainbow Rowell or written by Rainbow Rowell. Has anybody seen the them? current one? Yes. The current one. Yes, I'm reading it. How do you like that? Uh, um, <laughs> no, that's not fair. I don't know how to answer. It's early. I right, well, that was a complicated answer. I think it's interesting. It's only as we record, and I'm not sure because because uh, I have them all, and I might be a couple behind on reading it. I want to say she's six or seven issues in, and. In my opinion, she's running into a weird block in that she is trying to tell her own story mm. and she is also trying to live in the universe that John Byrne created 30 years ago. I love the Byrne run of She-Hawk. I have very complicated feelings about John Byrne, the man, the human being, mm. but I love that comic book series. It is peak She-Hawk for me. It is what I associate as the, you know, the best version of that story for me. I appreciate everything that's happened since then, but also I'm an old man who's been reading comics for 40 years, right? The world has moved on and it feels weird and cumbersome in that she is trying to move forward with her modern sensibilities in this world from the 1990s. So it feels disjointed to me. That said, it's good. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sticking with it in a way that while other people might have liked the most recent She-Hulk runs, I didn't love it because I don't care. Like the most recent She-Hulk runs before this with which were Jurgens and yeah, Slot, right. I didn't like as much as other people did, not because she wasn't bulky, but because the world that they were trying to fit in, they were trying to fit She-Hawk and what is great about She-Hawk into this world that is kind of colored by the immortal Hawk by Al Ewing, which everybody loved but me. Like, I don't care about that story. I like the interplay between Byrne and Peter David, who was doing Hawk at the time in the 90s and the universe that they created and the differences between who She-Hulk was under Byrne and who and who Hulk was under David. Like that was interesting to me and just me personally in a way that I don't feel I don't feel is happening the same with the modern Hulk and the modern She-Hulk. But it's early and I'm giving it more time. What, one of the things that I do like about it is it's doing it's they're playing it like it's a rom-com mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's sort of delightful and, you know, fluff, like we've talked in the last couple episodes about how I, you know, I like a lot of my favorite things about superheroes are when these, you know, all powerful gods are just faced with extremely normal situations. So like, I don't really care that much about battles and stuff. Like what I love about She-Hawk is I would absolutely love to like just watch her, you know, fight through a legal drama and have to deal with like every Every time Jennifer is trying to argue a case while she's green, mm -hmm. to me, that's perfect, yeah. right? Like that, like that's the kind of stuff that I love about She-Hulk. So, so I like that, those parts of it. Um, and it, and it just, it's too early for me to say that I love it yet, sure. like it's, but, but I'm more intrigued by it than, than I personally was by her trying to deal with the is there a monster inside of me which is what she had been doing for the last two years yeah. because the, to me my problem with that wasn't that she was big my problem with that was always but that's bruce's journey not jennifer's and that and i get that they were trying to do 
well, what does this look like if a woman has to do this journey other instead of a man? But I just I didn't care because that was Bruce's journey. Yeah. And like I'd seen somebody else do it. I like Jen dealing with her own thing. So that's my weird, complicated answer that I don't know <laughs> if it is what you're looking for. But it's how I feel about the current. I am I am continuing to feel it out. I'm enjoying it, I guess, because I'm six issues in or seven or whatever it is. <laughs> that's really interesting yeah it's a weird answer it feels like it's a non-answer just where i'm like i I think i like it i think it's fair yeah i think it's fair to be hesitant after only six issues you know normally like an arc is 10 to 12 so yeah Yeah, i would just say like for me personally i'll be picking them up because this is only the technically like the third but the second time a woman has written she hulk right like a solo series i mean g willow wilson did she hulk in team ups and but like louise Mm -hmm. simonson only wrote like what like two or three issues like so i'm like historically speaking i'm very interested in this series because again Mm -hmm. it's so interesting for us to be having these conversations about like you know representation of womanhood and femininity and stuff considering Mm -hmm. that this has always been basically a man's game one of the things that i've always liked about she-Hawk under Byrne and I guess under Slot too. I don't know. Well, Byrne was writing and drawing it. Yes, it is a representation of femininity under... It's a masculine idealized, and I'm using idealized in a very, you know, scare quotes kind of way because Byrne's not... Byrne is not writing for the Snyder Bros, even if they thought he was. Byrne is writing for the John Byrne sensibility of what feminism is, which is you know, it's interesting. It's different. <laughs> I, but he's he's John Byrne is doing a thing right he is not trying like he is trying to be critical of what comics were in the 90s yeah. he is very much making fun of stuff and one could argue he's also perpetuating it but that's what makes John Byrne interesting right like I, I don't think he's perfect I think he is interesting yeah. and there is a inclination in here's where I'll make fun of woke people so enjoy yourself if you're if you are a weird Snyder bro who listens to our show for some reason there is amongst uh liberal Hollywood there is like this inclination to say well if I'm going to have a story about women it needs to be told by women if I'm going to tell have a story about black people it needs to be told by black people if I'm going to have a story about gay people it needs to be told by gay people trans people it needs to be told by trans people like you know as though you can only relate to an experience if you're going through it however media literature is sometimes about you you being the writer trying trying to come to terms with the other on your own terms so to me it is sometimes interesting to watch a man try to write a woman's experience as an exercise in trying to understand that experience from the male point of view or a white person trying to write a black person's experience or a black person trying to write a white person's experience or a woman trying to write a man's experience. We tend to be, you know, in liberal America, we tend to be more accepting of the minority trying to deal with the majority than the other way around. I do sometimes think that there is value in studying the majority's view of the minority. That said, I'm a professional English major, right? Like I, like I, like I get that I'm weird. So I don't know that everybody's doing that. I think that there are some people, there are certainly some people who read the burn she-hawk because oh my god she's so hot and she's jumping rope while naked and you know so hot even though that very scene is her 
is burn making fun of people who only read comics for hot women. Right. So like, I think that there's a lot that can go on there. Yeah. Can I, I just I mean, two, two things like one, I think what you're saying is correct. If there's transparency about all of it, if we're yeah. like, this is a man writing women's experiences. It's from his perspective. And therefore what we are looking at is how he's making sense of the other. That's great. If it's positioned as like, this is the accurate and or the only, only representation of women you need then i start to you know get my hackles up too yeah and it's and i don't think it's i'll agree with you there because i don't think i was gonna say in 1990 but i don't think in 2022 marvel is nuanced enough to ever say either thing like i think they just did what they did right like i agree with you in principle and I don't, and that's why I'm like, maybe it's the job, maybe it's our job as critics to point that right. out because they, because they as creators certainly aren't yeah. going to. The only other small thing is if one had boobs the size of John Byrne She-Hulk and had to oh jump rope <laughs> naked, it would be nothing but painful. Okay. Like... <laughs> That's misogyny yeah. in and of itself. Give the woman a sports bra. That is so unkind. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, not to be entirely reductive, but like the reason that we have waves of feminism is also the fact that like we have women who are saying like, well, one woman's experience and one woman's definition of femininity is not the all-encompassing definition, right? Absolutely. So, so yeah. even in this idea of representation should be done by X group, like that's almost like in itself problematic because what you're saying is each group has its own singular experience, which we all know is not how that mm-hmm. works. <laughs> yeah. And if, if it were, then Monica wouldn't be allowed to like sucker punch, right? <laughs> which we're going to have to, we're going to have to do a show on sucker punch like we're gonna make everybody watch that point i know i've brought this up before but snl did a skit that's if black widow was a romantic comedy because marvel <laughs> understands women and knows what women want and if you haven't seen it you should it's watch great. it it's great she's she's in love with ultron and they work inside like a magazine office <laughs> together <laughs> it's very like peak 2007 starring jennifer yeah. Garner, if ever there was a movie but there is a sense in which because we're getting back to this idea of like no there's more than one kind of feminism like if that there is a part of like she hulk series that is leaning into that a little bit of being like because and it's kind of inherent because we are talking about a story whose source material was written by men and so we are dealing with a lot of like men know what women want and like every single time that she hulk is described as a lawyer she is always as a lady lawyer as if that makes Mm. her a different kind (laughs) of lawyer you know like she specializes in lady law whatever the fuck that is and so like they're like it's always going to be a little inescapable when you make a Mm. she-hulk show that like she's a lady lawyer doing lady lawyer antics and (laughs) you know she's gonna dress up in in cutie little outfits because that's what she did in the john byrne series and she's always gonna have like girlfriends and she's always gonna comment on the like which guy is hot and which one she wants to bang because that's how she's written like that is who she is and there is a sense in like even though she was written by a man if we were to go back and talk like and say that we don't like one 
one of those things about her or the way that she's portrayed. We are again still policing her behavior of how she as a woman is allowed to behave. And there is a mm. sense in which we shouldn't be doing that just because she was written by a man. Like mm. it's complicated. The I thing about saying, She-Hulk yeah. is that she's always complicated. And because she's a character that breaks the fourth wall, she has always invited historically the ideas of being a- allowed to have opinions about her. Like that is sort of because She-Hulk, when she was invented, she wasn't really invented as anything, right? She was invented yeah. as IP so that other, so that oh, yeah. TV studios couldn't have the IP, but Marvel could. And so no one ever actually like kind of thought about who she was other than she's a lady, right? So, so, uh, yeah. Stan, Stan had an edict one day. Yeah. I mean, it, it was very much for background. Stan knows that he created the character of Wonder Man just because DC had a Wonder Woman and he wanted it. And then once that was once that happened, Stan was like, wait a minute. What if someone does that to us? Well, we've got to protect all of our characters. So we need to make female versions of our most popular male characters. So we need to have a we need to have a lady hawk or a, a she hawk, if you will. Yeah. Uh, a later, lady Spider-Man or a Spider-Woman. And then, oh, my God, we also stole Captain Marvel out from under DC's <laughs> DC's nose because of a weird copyright issue. So since we have, you know, we want there to be a Captain Marvel, we also we better have a Ms. Marvel. And that's how much thought was put into any of these so hence the original the original she-hulk origin which is changed for the tv show is jen gets shot and bruce is like oh my god my cousin is bleeding i will do a blood transfusion of her by myself instead of going to a doctor knowing full well that i have radioactive blood but yeah what other option could there be (laughs) Like you can go to a doctor. Like this is how doctors exist. You're in LA. Like <laughs> you can do harm. It's fine. Right. Right. I mean, and I'm glad they changed that for the mm-hmm. TV show because because in in the comics, it's the dumbest thing ever. Like he literally, like it makes no sense. He's just like, I'm going to rapid transfuse her myself for reasons. Like it, there's no good reason. So instead, that here it's just like it's an accident. It's a dumb accident. Apparently, one drip of hawk blood makes you a hawk. If you've got the weird genetic marker, I mean, whatever. We're moving science. past it. So, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, some science happened. So, but the point being, I they were all of these female characters were blank slates created to park a trademark. Yeah. That's what she Literal was. Like they just wanted. We just want to be able to get it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's exactly. I think this always. Gets gets me back to like Monica with what you were saying about what happens oh. when we wind up like releasing <laughs> these behaviors and I think this gets me back to like one of the points that Carolyn Coca makes mm-hmm. in her book Super Women and I think this mm-hmm. speaks to Monica's point like we wind up in these awkward positions where we want to enjoy She-Hulk and we want to be able to talk and in fact the comics ex- themselves invite us to talk about her but that feels icky right because it feeds into this precedence of like judging and policing women's behaviors. I think Carolyn Coco's point is that this arises when you only have one or maybe two or three, right? Like when you have so few, this becomes unavoidable. And that is one of the problems I think that we're still struggling with. And obviously Marvel's like media expansion is addressing this in terms, certainly in terms of like their streaming series. But like part of the issue is that there is just 
She-Hulk. There's just the one. And there were only like five ladies knocking around the Avengers mansion ever anyway, right? And so we don't really have the ability to say, well, it's fine for that one to be geared towards romance. And because we have six others who are geared towards other things. Right. Like when you only have the one Mm -hmm. character who basically stands in for all women and girls and upholds the status quo of being like boy obsessed, we get into this icky spot. Right. Where like (laughs) it creates, well, um, I mean, almost like, you know, begs for some kind of criticism, which becomes unfair because it feeds the double standard of like us constantly policing female characters. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. one of the things that I really appreciated about the show were the open scenes where we get to see Jen like impress upon the audience as well as her co-workers that her legal career is like really important to her and she talks about it later again when Mm -hmm. she's telling Bruce why she doesn't want to stay on a deserted island for six years like this is so important to her It's, it's a huge part of who she is And the trailers Mm -hmm. we're seeing are starting to point towards the fact that we are also going to get into rom-com territory. That's great. I'm okay with this because she hasn't been collapsed into like this one dimensional, as you said before, Mav sex bunny. We know that she has diverse interests and, you know, goals that have nothing to do with romance. So like, yeah, bring on the romance. I'm totally fine with Mm -hmm. that because we're not hanging our hat on like she represents all women and only romance you know like that kind of thing i mean there is something nice about the expansion of the marvel cinematic universe like getting to this point where now like she she hulk is not like the only lady because we just came off of like we're gonna use ms marvel as our example like that's a high school show spider-man is also a high school show you know like we're we're now getting to the point where there's multiple genres of the same thing not just Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. so now it's not just one representation one tone one and it's more people complain about things getting like saturated there's also the other head of the coin which is the more exposure we're actually getting to the types of like representation and diversity that we've all been asking for which is really nice it doesn't suck that some of that stuff didn't come first yes absolutely does it suck that black widow only got a movie after she's dead yeah part of the problem (laughs) but like i don't know i do still see a lot of hope for the future especially with the properties that they're choosing to put out because Mm -hmm. there is a sense of like because there are you know there's so many men that you could have possibly made do like put the fantastic four down but like uh, other than that like we've had enough (laughs) stretchy people don't work we've already decided that but like there is a sense of like all of the other things that we're announcing like i'm really excited about because like you didn't have to go choose to make an iron heart but we're gonna get it like you know we could have just had you know roadie you could have had war machine like pick it up and become iron man which was the comic book precedent and instead we are getting like some of the newer more more interesting more diverse titles being the things that are being put out as the live action adaptations and i think that's really important and really exciting Mm -hmm. i think so and sam i mean just rewinding to the thing the point that you made is that's part of my dissertation where that one of my committee asked about she was like she was i think she was almost offended by me saying it until she realized that i was saying it on purpose which was i talked about the makeup of the superhero team is you have a brash guy a brainy guy a brutish guy a leader guy and the girl and she's like well i mean you're calling her the girl shouldn't you be calling her the woman and i was like no (laughs) 
like, but she was like, but that's insulting because they're, I was like, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you get yes, it. She is, You're on she board. Is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, I was like, but what kind of girl is she? I'm like, she is mm-hmm. the girl. That is. That's her that, thing. That's and, her personality. And, <laughs> <laughs> that is, yes. That is, and, and it's like, it's like, and sometimes you can overlap things like in, in, in the Fantastic Four, there's only four people instead of five people because one of them is both the brainy guy and the leader, you know, so you can do that, right? Like you can, you could over, you know, you could even make the girl the leader, but there's only one spot for one girl in this team and she's got, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and that's the same thing in the Avengers, yeah. right? The original Avengers lineup, you have, you know, you have Wasp. Thor, Cap, yeah, yeah, and then Wasp, mm-hmm. you know, who's what's her job? She's the girl. She thinks all the boys are cute. That's she what she does. Sandwiches. You know? Which is literally why they have fucking Jarvis. And her whole job is to still make sandwiches. Yes. Yeah. And I think one of the things that always made, I've talked about this so much on the show. I love superhero shows where they're just doing regular stuff, where they're stuck doing regular stuff. And I've always loved this lawyer career that that Jennifer maintains Mm -hmm. because that's interesting to me. This show does something weird where they reverse the comic motivations of Bruce and Jen. Jen has always loved being She-Hawk up until the last couple of years. There's they've typically done Jen is usually written as no, I like right. being She-Hawk. This is fun. This is great. And Bruce is like, this is a curse. I must yeah. get rid of this. I mean, you know, she was, you know, how can I be normal again? And um, and that was always interesting to me to the point where it kind of weirded me out at first. And I'm OK with adaptations just being separate. So it didn't last. The weirdness didn't last that long for me. But I can see how it might kind of confuse people in at least with this one episode of a TV show. Jen is the reluctant one. She wants to just be Jen, whereas Bruce is like, I am a superhero yeah. now, you know, so which is the reverse of how they classically are. Jen has always enjoyed being a superhero. I'm an Avenger. I'm a member of the Fantastic Four. But what made her interesting is, and I'm going to keep my law career, as opposed to Captain America for a while in the late 70s, early 80s, had a side job being an Mm. illustrator. But mostly Captain America's job is to be an Avenger. And Iron Man runs a company, but mostly his job is to be an Avenger. Bruce is a scientist. Mostly he's an Avenger. (laughs) Right. I want to bring this up, too. Like, so for Wasp, Wasp keeps her career as a fashion designer. So this idea that the women keep their careers and Mm -hmm. are career focused, all the guys are just superheroes i mean well, in one case uh, did yes. she though i mean because yeah. i mean i know i mean i know she did but i saw it as much as we saw hank being a scientist we knew she was a fashion designer on the side but we've always seen jen lawyering actively lawyering like she went on cases which is what i as opposed to like we didn't did we see yes. a lot of wasp as, as somebody right. who has written a lot of wasp things she yeah okay, that's what i was asking so yeah there are fashion shows and they're also very repeated like references to the fact that she has to leave because she has to go show her next collection when she introduces okay. she hulk to the avengers actually it's one she says the team needs more ladies and so she hosts a brunch but that aside we, we will let the re- reductive feminism of Marvel knows what ladies like go but she invites she, yeah. <laughs> she decides she wants to do this 
because she has recently designed not a superhero collection, but a fashion collection. And she wants whoever the new mm-hmm. person is that, that she chooses to wear her outfit on national TV and say, yeah. I'm the mm-hmm. latest Avenger because it's also cross publicity for her clothing designs. And that's how I remember that. Like, that's how She-Hulk ends up on the Avengers. And so both of these okay. women remain very close friends throughout their entire publication, but also very career focused. And so there is something mm-hmm. where sometimes you see like in comic book history that like if women have an interest outside of superheroing, it's seen as like oral corruption, which is a lot of times how the Wasp's career is sort of portrayed of this idea of like, well, she's flighty and not serious because she wants mm-hmm. to go like shopping or she cares about clothes. But for mm-hmm. someone like Jen to uphold a career that is as a lawyer, which is very moral, is very responsible. Like that's all stuff where like it's actually contradicting all of that and directly challenging this idea that like you can't be a superhero and something else or else it mm-hmm. makes you not a good superhero. It actually mm-hmm. for her, it's one in which it's like, no, which she it makes literally her says a in this episode. Superhero. Yeah. Yeah. She literally says that to Bruce. Like I or Bruce says it to her too. He's like, well, we can have maybe we can have both, but she's very much okay. I am going to be a lawyer. I still have student loans to pay off. This is what I want to do. And that's the key thing for me about this show. That's what I want to love about this show is really like the idea of following a show where uh, there's a little character bit that is going to say Tatiana Maslany since she's doing the since she's doing the fourth wall break Mm -hmm. at this time where her the Jennifer Walters character is like, all right, we're going to get this Hulk shit out of the way because this is a legal show. This is what we're going to we're going to like she like her dream is you're watching this because you're in to the idea of we're going to watch the Marvel law show. <laughs> That's why everybody's here. Right. And I'm, and I know that the joke is no, obviously no one's here. except for I'm here for this, this is what I want on the show. It's like, thank you, Jen. <laughs> I'm seen, you know, but I love that about the character. And, you know, if they do the next eight episodes of her, just like, can we please get to closing arguments, please? <laughs> like, I'll love it. I was like, oh, God damn it. Another super villain, you know, like, and it's just, her really wanting to make this closing argument that would be amazing to me. <laughs> so. yeah it's it is really interesting monica i think you just made such a, a interesting point too like this whole idea and again maybe i just haven't i haven't read around enough but the that jen wants to maintain you know it's possible for me to be and do both right like and i see that happening with the female characters more than I see it with the male characters who seem to struggle with dichotomy. And this is a point that I made previously when I was talking about Spider-Woman and specifically the comic run written by Dennis Hopeless, where she becomes pregnant and then becomes a mom. Oh, God. That whole debate Mm -hmm. is whether she can be a mom and a superhero. And my kind of take on this it's there's lots of things I have to say about it, but this is a I think a more healthy and slightly ethical model of dealing with Tunis than Venom, for instance, where you have this kind of battle back and forth and they remain this distinct two and like and, I, and that's so interesting that you brought this up because now that I'm starting to catalog it, I'm like, wow, is this are we kind of working through two-ness and living between worlds with our minority characters more so than we are with the kind of straight white male characters? And maybe that, like I said, I, that may be a jump, but it is really fascinating to think about the fact that Jen wants to also insist that she can be both. Like you don't have to carve yourself so, up. So women are better. Is- <laughs> <laughs> We're back to that. <laughs> 
full circle. I wouldn't say that we've resolved nothing, Mav. I said I would say that we've resolved that women are better. I'm sorry, oh, yeah, I, for, I, was, uh, I, I missed. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to count and see if we're because I, I think and this is maybe another episode. Like I think Sam's question there matters, right? Because I'm, I'm so I'm just doing their most recent properties, right? Like so obviously, like I don't want to count. I don't want to count Kamala Khan because you know her job is she's a high school student, right? It's not. It's not the same. There's, I mean, I think it sort of, it, it is, I don't think it works the same way of, can I be a high school student and a superhero? I don't think it's the same as, can I be a lawyer and a superhero well, or can I be a fashion designer? I deal with that to some extent in terms of, can I be Pakistani Muslim and a superhero? Right. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. I, it's more about her credit than it is about her sure. career, her aspiration. She's not going to ever stop being Pakistani, right. but it's not a choice. She's just you know, look, you're a Pakistani and you're a superhero now. That's just how it's going to be. As opposed to Jen's question is, can I be, can I continue yeah. to be a lawyer? And I think like, cause Moon Knight doesn't have that, but then neither does WandaVision. Wanda is essentially trying to not be a superhero. She's trying to just, oh, yeah. like, I, like, I think it's a little different, but then I'm thinking, I presume this is where the Daredevil show is going to go because that's where the Daredevil show mm. was in, Net in Netflix. He wasn't struggling with it. You know, he just was. I'm a, you know, I'm a vigilante by night and a lawyer by day. So I mean, like, I think that, uh, I think that maybe what we're experiencing is as we get to a point where the superhero genre, if you will, or meta genre, because I think there's a lot of subgenres of superhero-ness, which we've talked about before. I think superheroes are ubiquitous enough of a concept that we can use superhero-ness to explore other yeah. things. Like, I think the central question of She-Hulk might be, what does it mean to be a woman in a male-dominated world of superheroes and yeah. of being a lawyer? You know, like of two, two, two different things, right? I think Moon Knight becomes, what does it mean to be a superhero in a world where you have to deal with mental illness and mental trauma? What does it mean to be a superhero in a world where you have to deal with racial injustice if you're Ms. Marvel, right? So I think maybe we're moving into a place where we're using our superhero TV shows. And this has been true for comics for a while. So comic people are going to go, but we've been doing social justice in comics forever. Yeah, I know. But we're using our superhero TV shows to explore yeah. these questions at the same time as we are also trying to use our superhero shows to be more diverse and include. Yeah, maybe we have ladies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's like, like, like I'm saying, I'm thinking, I'm wondering if maybe it's not, maybe it's not that men can't have this. It's just that we happen to be dealing with social issues at the same time as we are dealing with ladies. Yeah, yeah. Exist. Sure. <laughs> yeah. so I, 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 I was just this crazy concept that I just came up with. Of, I call them women. <laughs> working on, I'm workshopping the name. We'll see. So, you yeah, know? so maybe it is more correlation. And I mean, certainly I would never suggest that, that men can't, right? Like there's nothing inherent, I think, about bridging these experiences to any one identity category. And right. again, I would just go back to like a a lot of it in our world, in any number of fictional worlds, a lot of it goes back to circumstances and experience. Are you put in a position where mm -hmm. you have to navigate that or not? Right. It's a matter of practice. Mm -hmm. So more than any. Yeah. Daredevil's problems are dealing with Catholic guilt. Like no one questions. Can you be a superhero yeah. Like to him? He, at least in that original series and the Netflix series, which again, I adore. I'm not criticizing the Netflix series because I think it's great. 
But the questions of the Netflix series are not, can you do this? It's more, yeah. should you be doing yeah. this? Yeah, <laughs> You know, like, like it's like their problems aren't like their problems with him. Cause you know, Karen and Foggy try to stop him and their problems with him are not that he's, you know, going to kill himself. It's that, dude, you're doing something really bad is mm-hmm. their argument, right? Like you're dangerous and probably illegal. <laughs> yeah. I suppose night nurse is mm. the only one who's like, you're going to kill yourself. You should stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Claire's like, yeah, this is bad, but okay, I guess I'll sew you up again. I guess. <laughs> Fucking moron. Oh, I love that show. I should watch it again. <laughs> but yeah, so we've resolved some stuff, like Monica said. We've resolved <laughs> that you should watch She-Hulk. That's right. That is the conclusion. You should. Oh, it's been great. But anyway, Sam, thanks for joining us. This has been great. I hope you come back again sometime. But anyway, where where can people find out more about yeah, you and your work? So I'm on Twitter. My handle is at S underscore Langsdale. My website is samlangsdale.com. The book that I mentioned previously, Monstrous Women in Comic, is such an excellent volume. It's full of amazing authors who talk about all kinds of different monstrous women and all kinds of different comics from all over the world. And it's available from the University Press of Mississippi. And it will be linked in the show notes. Monica Marvel. Uh, you know, if you want to talk more or hear more about E-Hulk, I did a presentation at San Diego Comic-Con that I mentioned, and it's on YouTube. Otherwise, yeah. It's linked in the call for comments. It's actually there. And <laughs> if you want to tweet me about it, it's at Monica Marvelous. That's L-O-U-X. Absolutely. And you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show. All those same places at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where you can find out what we're talking about next week. And I have no idea what that is because I keep losing track and I really should look that up before we start a show, but I don't because I suck. But anyway, if you enjoy the show and we certainly hope you do, then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor, leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review, that boosts the algorithm, makes us more popular and really helps us out. And, you know, they're just fun to read. I, you know, we haven't gotten one on iTunes in a while. So please go to iTunes and don't just leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a five-star review. Just say, ah, these are really smart people. They're not <laughs> monsters at all. <laughs> that would really, I would really appreciate that. I would once again like to thank Sam for joining us on this show. Thank, thank you, you, Sam. And seriously, come back. I'd like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank you at home for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye.